Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. Hello, Peter. How are you? Hello, Ben. I'm all right. How are you? Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm fine. Big week for video games. Oh, oh it certainly is, especially if you're a, an ex-boxer. Ex- yes. Yeah, I <laughs> hope your brain injuries are doing okay. Yeah. Have, have you got all your teeth still? Probably not. <laughs> uh, hopefully, you've seen on the channel now we have uh, made a video all about what happened at the Xbox event this past week. At the time of recording, it's happening tonight. So we don't actually know what's happened yet, but there is a video on the channel, as I said, that you can go and watch. Peter, where are we walking today before we do anything else? Uh, Maybe we could be walking in front of an Xbox. (gasps) Just a big Xbox. Xbox. An original Xbox. Yeah, I think there's quite a high-definition image of the original Xbox available online. So you'd be able to blow it up so that it's almost the entire background or maybe overlapping it's just a it's so so zoomed in there's just a bit of xbox behind us <laughs> you only need a tiny bit of xbox yeah that's all you need well peter this incredible video game show that we're going to do today is actually sponsored by a real a genuine actual company you know a real sponsor we get sponsored each and every week we do. Uh, because companies love our show, our professional video game show, so much that they think, I want to have my company's name associated with this podcast. Yeah, who can blame them? Who can blame them? Not me. We're raking it in, you and I, mm-hmm. from all these amazing sponsors. Different sponsor every week, though, for some reason. Not really sure why we can't hold on to them. Uh, I've got the ad read for this week, though, Peter. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I certainly am. This week, the podcast is brought to us by Goat of Sue's Shimmy. Sue's Shimmy? Goat of Sue's Shimmy. I accept the goat. That's shimmy. fine. Right? What is, who is Sue and what, what kind of shuffling is she doing? So, I, you know, I could give you the whole blurb, but I'll give you the, uh, a TLDR, a Too Long Didn't Read. Ready? I, yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's a dance company owned by Sue, staffed entirely by goats. Right, I see. Do you get it now? Sue's Shimmy. The Goat of yeah. Sue's Shimmy. Yes, yeah. Goat of Sue's Shimmy. So that's mm-hmm. a company that you can hire for birthdays, for uh, Christmas. You know, if you want to give Jesus a nice little goatee dance, right? Bar mitzvahs. Bar mitzvahs. Uh, weddings. Funerals. They're, oh. they're very tasteful. 
um, yeah. and it's a it's a very nice way to send off a loved one with <laughs> the goat of Sue's shimmy uh, that's yeah. out now. And uh, well, I said I don't know why I said out now. It's available now. You can just call them on one 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 zero. Wow, it's palindromic. It's a I good, like it. It's a good number. It's a really good yeah. number. And if you call that number, actually nothing will happen because that's a lie. Oh, oh you got me. You got, got you, me. you flipping idiots. You always fall for it, you maroons. Ah. Look at you. Get a Brian Moran. Am I right? Jeez, stop, stop it. Stop it every oh, time. God, no, of course, the real sponsor of the uh, Triple Jump podcast is the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little as $1 per month, you can uh, get access to a podcast post where you can ask questions for the show. All the questions in each and every show are sourced from our patrons, our wonderful patrons. Thank you so much. They are the part. By the way, that's like 25 cents per show. Because we do oh. four, you know, about four a month, one a week. Yeah, that's super cheap. What value for money? Bargain, absolute bargain. So uh, do consider that. We put the post up on a Tuesday, and then we get the questions on a Wednesday afternoon. So that's your usual window there, and we record on a Thursday morning. Here we are on Thursday morning, Peter. Yes. Question one is from a patron. Am I correct? Yes, the uh, question one is is from Carrie Bookster, who, as well as asking a question, says, uh, Peter, can you switch over to your high-quality microphone rather than accidentally oh, record no. on, your, uh, on your webcam? So I'll do that right now. Apologies, oh, everybody. Whoops, okay. <laughs> How, how's that? Bajoo, balloon. Hello? Is that better? Wow, you sound amazing now, Peter. Well, I hope. So. I mean, imagine if I switched to my what I thought was my better microphone, but then when I listen back to it, it's actually worse <laughs> than my webcam because I don't really know. I've never used that. I don't know how it happened. Oh but... no! You you definitely had the right input on Skype because okay. uh, you didn't. You don't sound any different to me, but right, maybe just in your audio software. I can't believe Carrie had the foresight to know yeah. that you were using the wrong microphone when she submitted her question. Very, very uh, clever of Carrie there. But not only did she give me a very due warning about my audio devices, she said, Hi, boys. Just wondering if you have any gaming terms that you or your friends made up. Instead of Screen Peak, we say Jadar instead of Radar, named after a friend who peaked all the time. Ah, oh, flipping, flipping J. J. Bloody J. Love all the hard work you guys do. Can I be a pain and ask for a shout-out to my husband, Ryan, who's been feeling kind of down lately? I think he's a swell dude and would like him to know others think so too. Thanks. Kiss, kiss. kiss. Well, thank you, Carrie, and hello to Ryan. All the best to you, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. get Pull, pull yourself out of that slump, my dude. We all love you. We think you're great. Nice, we do. And nice hair. You've got... Great, love love your hair, uh, and also your uh, your you've got a, a sick wife. Yes, uh, not in the the sea virus sense, I hope. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's why he's a bit sad. Oh no! Um, oh God, no! No, let's not no. pull out of this nosedive. Uh, Definitely, what we're saying so, is she's a rad dude, my my man. She is certainly a rad dude. Uh, gaming terms that we made up. Um, so they've got they've got the Jadar over there in the Bukta household. Mm. Um, I've got one, actually, that is uh, a similar thing. It's from when I used to play FPS games. Um, I used to play Call of Duty 2 a lot with 
Peter's Gamer Uncle trademark <laughs> that frequently comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, occasionally, my brother would be there or my sister. Um, I think Call of Duty 2 was a very, very early 360 title rather than a late original Xbox title. Citation needed, but it, in my mind, it's got quite good graphical fidelity for for the original Xbox. So I think it was early 360. In any case, not relevant. We used to play that on an Xbox of some kind. And there was uh, at least one uh, deathmatch map that was in um, French farmland. I think there were were actually two of them, but uh, we used to play one in particular. Um, There were a couple of cows that were sort of dead around the map, which was a bit horrible. And they were completely rock solid. They were just, you know, sort of static graphics that they didn't even sort of have any particle effects when you shot them or anything. So there were these sort of frozen cow corpses. Uh, But more crucially, there was a farmhouse um, with like a little wall out the front and some some foliage, uh, I I believe it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. And we, when we were playing free-for-all, we like what would often happen was someone would go into the farmhouse to have a look what was in there or to use it as a sniping point and someone else might go in there for the same reason and there would be a fight inside the farmhouse and whoever won would then sometimes stay in the farmhouse because it was a good spot and that was just kind of happening organically and then we sort of realized over time that like we could almost play our own sort of king of the hill style map here or, or game mode here so we used to play farmhouse and uh it's it kind of became uh, a term for the good spot in any uh, deathmatch map, whether it was in Call of Duty or Halo or something else. You know, if there was a building or a little tower or something that was a really good spot to snipe from, uh, we used to fight for the farmhouse, even though it might be a water tower or an alien structure in a different game. So weirdly, farmhouse became this kind of king of the hill prime spot that we would always fight for uh so yeah we're like oh this is the farmhouse i'm, I'm in the farmhouse amazing weird yeah Look at that um i have a phrase that i picked up from someone on youtube and i can't exactly remember who it might have been dodge you know dodger yeah this was dodger. years and maybe 10 years ago now um, mm-hmm. or it might have been someone else i might be completely misremembering but it's a term called sponge bobbing Okay. And that's when in an RPG or a game that has quests, someone sends you to get something for them, but the person you need to get the thing from for the other person sends you on a quest to give them something so that they will then give you the thing that the original person wanted. It's basically right. just sort of, I'll do that if you do this for me. And SpongeBobbing yeah. is the act of slowly extending your quest for no good reason other than that the person who you needed something from in the first place is greedy and then there's subsequent greed as you go down uh, right, the chain yeah. of well i need my goat back from this guy i'll give you that guy's goat back if you fetch me this man's sword well i'll give you my sword if you get me this guy's cloak well you can have my cloak if you go and kill this guy hey, don't kill me, go and kill this other person and I'll pretend that I'm dead and leave this... And it just goes on and on and on. That is um, mm-hmm. that is SpongeBobbing. Wow, okay, I like that. I don't think... SpongeBobbing. I don't know the origin of the word or why it's that and I've never heard anyone else use it, but for some reason it's always stuck with me 
to describe that very specific, very video game trope of, you know, being sent down a rabbit hole of completing just one quest. But you can't yet. Mm-hmm. you got to go get the other guy's cloak first. SpongeBob. There's a, there's a trade quest like that in Spyro 2, which you might remember now that you've played uh, Reignited, mm-hmm. um, where... The professor wants his pencil back. Oh, God, yes. No, I actually played this level literally the other week. Yeah, and he gives you a uh, an egg, mm-hmm. and you have to put the egg in a nest, mm-hmm. and then the bird comes along, spits out like a little rubber duck or something. Yeah. You then put the duck rubber duck with the duck in the water that's swimming around, which spits out a turnip. Cauldron, uh, the yeah, fountain. and you put the turnip in the, in the cauldron, which spits out a coin. Yeah. The coin goes in the fountain. The fountain spits out the pencil ridiculous and, yeah ridiculous um yeah, so spongebobbing there you go spongebobbing yeah the like it. and also hope you're doing well ryan you hang in there yeah all the best to you ryan and thank you carrie for your question and your support absolutely peter it's time to move on to a section that i personally have never done before are you ready uh, i'll i'll walk you through it don't worry i've i'm pretty pretty well skilled in this section i'm not even sure how to pronounce it could you help me out yeah it's it's uh it's called what we playing oh interesting because i would have always thought it was what we uh pl- play in play in i thought like the well, emphasis maybe- was on the second half of the word maybe I think that's a north-south divide thing. Uh, I think up north we just say playing, playing, pl- playing. You say down there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, maybe yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to ask my mum. Maybe she'll know. Uh, I, yeah. Either way, welcome to what we play in. Uh, this is a section yeah. where we talk about what we are playing. Oh God, do you think it's playing? Oh, I've never noticed that before. Ah, oh. oh God, I really I feel really stupid oh, now. Man, I've <sighs> I've cyberbullied people over this. That's so embarrassing. Yeah. God. Oh, wow. I mean, that's you know. I mean, specifically, that is. I think that is what what how it's pronounced. Playing. Yeah. Absolutely. It is, it's specifically. God, for all intensive purposes, I've been saying the same word, but you know. No need to be a damn much. squid, Peter. Without further no, ado, a... let's let's begin. Yeah. What have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing. Uh, so as well as streaming um, some more Skyrim this week, or is it Skyrim? I don't know. Uh, I have continued to play a separate campaign, as I mentioned last week, um, just just in my own time. Because uh, I know that you really over Skyrimed yourself. <laughs> I did, I did. Um, but and and I think I did to an extent over a much longer, uh, more sporadic period. But when I finally went back to it to do my streams, I thought, oh, yeah, this game. I'd like what I like about that game is just the organic, uh, radiant, random occurrences and things. I like just walking from one city to the other on the path and bumping into, you know, a highwayman or, a, you know, someone saying, here, take this. Don't don't tell anyone I've given it to you. And then someone will come up and go, did someone come by this way? And you've got like the sword that they'd stolen or something, and you can you can give it back to the owner or whatever, mm-hmm. all those kind of things. So uh, yeah, I wanted to just start a separate quest for that, a separate separate story for that. So I've been doing that in my free time. Uh, also, though, uh, I recently discovered a YouTube channel. It's a really small, like niche thing where this guy just does loads of Hogs of War videos. Oh. Um, I can't. I don't even know how I. I can't remember how I stumbled across it. It was like two months ago now, 
And he's like really dedicated to it. He's like doing really uh, kind of deep dive stuff on. He's done like a whole video on each class, even though it's not it's not super complicated. He's like delved into the very 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 small uh, or sort of uh, few details there are on any kind of narrative because there's not a narrative, but there's like a couple of tiny bits of. There's like a cut scene that was cut out of the original game and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's going into all that kind of thing and modding it and all interesting things like that. So uh, it it just got me um, wanting to play some of that too. So wow. it it helps that while I'm still without my PS4, uh, I've been able to go back to an old PC game, Skyrim, uh, and also a game that, although I'm playing it emulated on on PC, uh, it's a, a game I had on my PS1 when I was a youngin. So nice. yeah, that's fun. I've been playing some old stuff this week. What's the name of this guy's channel? Uh, Pinstripe. 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 It's like he's only you know he gets like a few hundred views at a time. It's because it's quite a niche thing. Yeah. But he's, I really like that he's just doing it anyway. You know, he's not oh, out nice. to, to he's not sort of because he's been making videos for a while now, and he, or he certainly made a lot of them, mm-hmm. and he's not sort of looked at them and thought. Oh, I've done all these videos and I'm still get I'm not I'm not getting my millions of views. You know, he's still doing it. Just he can tell it's like as much a passion project as anything else. So uh, yeah. it's it's good. I I did a little tweet the other day just saying, "Hey man, keep doing it. You know, keep keep at it." That's nice. Um, I'm just looking at his channel now. He's got his last upload was 15 hours ago. So we would. It, I watched it last night. Did you about <laughs> yeah. three towers and blimp hunting? Yeah, they used like a glitch where in Hogs of War you can there's an ability called hide where you turn into a tree, uh, and it you sort of almost vanish from the from the mini map. Mm-hmm. So it can be useful if like your guy's on really low health. And they've used a glitch where you can get on top of someone else who's hidden as a tree and then hide yourself as a tree, and you can stack both entire armies into a single tree stack that goes like way way up like a skyscraper over the map and then they were jumping off the top of that stack of trees and going into the blimp that flies around above the map it's crazy wow the stuff that they're doing over there there's a really active community seemingly well if you search pinstripe hogs of war on youtube you'll find the channel why not click on the latest video and just say triple jump sent you say hello yeah yeah why not say hello yeah uh well that's wonderful how delightful isn't that's nice isn't that's it nice it's a nice see. thing yeah i like that uh ben what have you been playing this week i've been playing uh, a few things i finished off batman arkham asylum yes what a, what a riveting video game that is mm-hmm. I, I love it so much it's just so well made and so brilliantly self-contained as well i loved arkham city and i i really liked arkham knight as well although it was definitely the the weaker of the three but I think yeah. it, that's just proof that bigger isn't always better. A self-contained, isolated experience locked within, you know, the asylum with some outdoor bits as well. So you have some verticality. I think that's great. I don't think it, we don't need a, a whole city. I think we've, we've got a question coming up next about what, you know, what defines this generation of games. And I think really yeah. it's that... You know, we'll get, we'll get properly into it, but more than anything, it's that bigger is better, and it's not. Mm. It's not always better, and I think this game is proof of that. Um, really love that game, and I feel like I'm about to sneeze, so I'm just going to keep okay. talking until it's fading. It's gone. Okay, never mind. Yeah, it's because you said you were going to sneeze. That's what I happens. acknowledged it. I acknowledged it. What's really unsatisfying about that is that I was about to sneeze before we 
before I called you to do the podcast. Um, oh. And I didn't sneeze then either. Oh, no. So I feel like I'm there must be, building it up. There must be something tickling you up there. Maybe. Um, next time I sneeze, my whole head might explode. I don't know. I yeah, don't know how this, what the science is, but that seems logical to me. Could happen, yeah. Uh, I've also played Destroy All Humans, oh. which is the remake from THQ Nordic, the second one after, you know, SpongeBob rehydrated SquarePants Battle Bikini Bottom 4, you know. Mm-hmm. Another in a line of, why, 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 why? why? Did a quipscope all about it. My hot take, again, TL- TLDR, is that... I don't think the original game is very good and therefore Oof. as a as a game that as a remake that is literally just here is the original game but in a fresh new skin that we have built from the ground up with no additional bells and whistles and no substantial changes uh, from a gameplay perspective anyway I just don't think it's going to appeal to anyone outside of the outside of fans of the original I just think it's such a, it's a baffling choice for a remake. It's a controversial statement saying the original wasn't that good. But you know what? I also agree. There we go. I just don't think you it's know? that great. And it certainly doesn't hold up now. There's been no quality of life changes. Again, you can go check out the Quipscope for my full thoughts. But I am I, I was I have finished it, I must say. I, I've completed it. I've rolled credits. I did that last night. <laughs> but uh, right. I'm, uh, I, I just... It's such a weird choice for a, for a remake, really. Out of that, I know it's one of the licenses that THQ Nordic bought, which is why they did it. But uh, I I sincerely hope that fans of the original really really enjoy it. But I honestly don't think it will appeal to anyone other than them. It's just frustrating, isn't it, that they've also bought all kinds of exciting properties that they seemingly aren't using. Yes. Instead, they're making destroy all humans. The "Quote unquote remake, but basically just remaster." Yes, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna have a quick look actually at the the wiki for the original Destroy All Humans, uh, 2005. There it is. Uh, mm-hmm. There we go. Let's have a look. Duh, duh, duh. So yeah, it's it's it it got like a 74 on Metacritic. So it's a good game, and that's about what I would expect. But it's mm-hmm. like it's such a baffling choice for a remake. Yeah. It's so weird. It's just it's so bizarre. Anyway, it's out now. Um I was provided with a with a review code from THQ Nordic, so thank you very much to them. But again, full thoughts over in the Quipscope, so you can go watch that if you would like to hear more. Yes. And beyond that, yeah. speaking mm-hmm. of Quipscopes, also uh have been playing Ghost of Tsushima this week. Of course. The new PS4. Yeah. Uh, exclusive. Uh, got big shoes to fill after The Last of Us Part 2. And mm-hmm. I honestly wasn't expecting much and I wasn't even that hyped for it. But I am enjoying it. I think it's good. And once again, there is a quipscope out there where you can go hear my, my full thoughts. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think it's uh, I think it's a really nice game. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah, as you say, full thoughts over there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was pleased to hear that you're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> So just just bloody continue to do so, please. I will. I'll do my best when I have time. Right. All right. Uh, Should we move on then to uh, another question? Mm -hmm. This is from Ollie Larkin, who says, 
Over to you. With next-gen consoles just around the corner, what do you think has defined the Xbox One slash PS4 era? Do you think this generation has been less influential than others, considering the PS1 slash N64 generation introduced console 3D graphics, the open-world environments that were born in PS2 Xbox Xbox era, sorry, and the online boom of the Xbox 360 slash PS3 slash Wii? Well, you can take the Wii off the online boom, but yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were also there. So this is a great question, Ollie. Mm. Thank you for this. I would like to preface it, Peter, by saying that um, a lot of those older generations, many of us were children through them, so of course they were going to be influential to us. And I think you yeah. can obviously stand back and objectively look and see that they were hugely influential to the direction of the video games industry as a whole. But don't forget that Fortnite exists on the PS4 and Xbox One. And if you're a kid... That's just about the most exciting thing that you could possibly imagine, you know? People will be... They'll have, like, retro throwback nostalgia channels where they're playing Fortnite in about 20 years' time. Yeah, someone will have been able to get the original servers up and running for the first map or something. There'll be Fortnite mm. Classic or, you know, like RuneScape or whatever. Uh, so in, influence is something you can definitely appreciate as I said, by taking a step back and, and, and looking at a, a console generation, for example, objectively. But I think there is, an, there is an element of subjectivity to it as well. You know, we'll always yeah. say the PS1 and the PS2 and the 360 and PS3 and so on, uh, N64, were hugely influential because we grew up with them and they felt monumental at that time. But we had fewer things to worry about. So that's probably mm. why they felt bigger than perhaps they uh, they might they might feel to someone who's who was grown up with a ps4 for example yeah or someone who was gaming in the 80s as yeah, a as a teenager absolutely. yeah um so you you touched on um kind of open worlds and maybe and sort of bigger is better and stuff <clears throat> in your you know earlier on and i'm sure you're going to get to that i too uh kind of in a, in a broader sense i think what this generation might be known for is kind of reaching the point of almost true limitlessness limitlessness <laughs> yes. uh in the sense that all right we still have limits we can't like make an entire universe simulation where every single planet has thousands of cities and people and they've all got jobs and names and fam you know it's not true limitlessness but uh I, I kind of feel like we... And maybe this is just something you always feel like whenever the, the cutting-edge new generation comes out. But I kind of feel like we've sort of reached the point in gaming that people have always dreamt of, mm -hmm. you know, since the 80s or 90s, where we have... Um, you know, you look at something like No Man's Sky, which, all right, made a load of promises that it wasn't able to keep. But still, looking at what it has achieved, that is an unbelievable achievement, mm -hmm. you know. And in, even in terms of the, the breadth of worlds that uh, development studios can now create, um, when, uh, you know, once upon a time they might have struggled to create a, a thriving... Um, open world set in certain periods of history or certain parts of the world you know wh wherever you want to go or whenever you want to go now there's sort of a game for it everything from stone age man up to you know theoretical future future times mm -hmm. and everything in between you can go to uh to 
ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, Viking times. Uh, you can go to Japan or South America or North America or whatever you want to do. And I think in that respect, although the PS3 era and even the PS2 era to a certain extent was really breaking boundaries, um, I, something feel, I, I just feel like there's something different about this era uh, or this generation where we we have kind of reached a point where near enough we we can kind of make a game about whatever we want and yeah we still can't make an entire universe simulated in a game but you know we're no longer limited i don't think the creatives are limited anymore whereas once upon a time the a creative team in a in a having a having a powwow going what should we make a game about you know they had to sort of temper their expectations um and and now to an extent it kind of feels like they don't have to do that anymore yeah no, absolutely. Um, so that's what I've kind of taken away from this generation. I've got a number of things noted down here that I'm just going to sort of run through. And they range from the relatively negative or positive, depending on how you look at them, um, right. to to the more positive. But loot boxes as yeah. a, as a, you know, a defining factor of this generation. Microtransactions, crunch, uh, the Me Too movement and abuse of power, a lot of which is being highlighted at the moment across the games industry. And we'll talk about that a bit more later. Uh, mm. The live service game has really exploded onto the scene this generation. The five-year, one hundred million dollar game is also, yeah. you know, something that has has started to to emerge now. Uh, games with an with an enormous sense of scale, as you said, the fact that these games can now be realised is amazing. But bigger is not always better. Uh, no, and for sure. uh, and you know, we've been we've spoken before about how we've been put off by certain games just because of the nature of their of how they've tackled their genre in terms of just mm. trying to cram as much in there as possible and that you know it's not always great but it is a, it is incredible to see it you know if you could have shown that to someone in the 90s they would they would yeah. lose their mind exactly yeah. but on the more positive side i feel like there's a there's there's more sense of or there's a bigger sense of community in in games now you know with the rise of discord and a lot of consoles now have built into their online infrastructure communities and groups and stuff where you can hang out with like-minded people. I feel like there were always communities on the internet with forums and stuff, but now it's more accessible than ever. And uh, a lot of kids are growing up with access to Discord. You know, we've got some quite yeah. young members of our community who have almost certainly been on Discord for years and years, long before we even knew it existed. Uh, so I feel like that's also a very positive thing that's happened now. Streaming. This is definitely the generation of streaming. Everyone streams mm. now. That's great. You know, be creative. Share your share your stuff around. It's nice. It's good to see. And also, I would say this generation has seen probably the biggest leap in immersive cinematic storytelling that we've that Yeah, we've that was the one other thing I noted, but I, I stuck with the other answer. But yeah, I agree for sure. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot yeah. that's happened. And I think, as you said... You know, if you could have shown this to someone a while ago, you know, this is this is what people were dreaming of years ago, mm. the, where we are now. But, you know, if you want to extrapolate that to something a, a bit more fantastical, say you're watching the Jetsons cartoon and you look at the future and they're in their flying cars and you think, oh, God, why can't it be like that? But the reality yeah. of living in that society would be that there would be massive drawbacks too, I imagine. Just like if you're in the 90s and you see Red Dead 2... And you think, oh, man, that looks amazing. Why can't we have games like that? But then you realize that actually people work themselves to death to make that game. 
And I'm being yeah. facetious, obviously. I know, you know, nobody died on it, and that's ridiculous. It's hyperbole, but you get my point. Like, there's there's always mm. going to be drawbacks, and I feel like because we're in this generation now and we've we've lived through it, it's easier to recognize and see the bad things. But when you take a step back and look at it, actually, it's been quite an incredible five, six years. Yeah, you're right to point out the negatives there. I mean, I I looked at all these examples and immediately thought, okay, what's the what's the best thing, or what's a at least the most impressive thing to come from this generation? Yeah. But yeah, talking talking in a wider sense, what will this generation be remembered for? You're right, like it's it's where loot boxes really came into their own, unfortunately, and whether you know the the kind of model that a lot of um, publishers are using, kind of changed i think and they realized hey we could do some really lucrative things mm. here um and yeah it may well be remembered as a sort of a turning point in that respect and as you say that's not necessarily a good thing not necessarily um, yeah. but they're continuing to be investigated and they might be toned down or maybe a new insidious thing will pop up in the next generation yeah who who <laughs> bloody knows i'm hoping the next generation will be defined by no loading times That'd be nice. That would be nice. That'd be really good. Yeah. They keep bragging about it, so we'll see. But uh, that's a great question. Thank you, Ollie. Mm, it is a good question. Do you have your paper? I mean, your your very important script. Yeah, you mean my? Uh, yeah, I've yeah, got it here. Script. Okay, everyone, it's time for weird news. Weird news. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's weird news time. Peter, what is your weird gaming news? This is from Kotaku. It's written by Luke Plunkett. Of course. Of course mm -hmm, it is. Mm -hmm. Can we hire Luke Plunkett? Can we get him to leave? I'm sure, you know, being editor of weird news over at Kotaku yeah. doesn't pay a lot of money at all. Definitely not. Oh, I would see it as quite lucrative. 
No, I'm because yeah, it's got I'm his name in it. Yeah, Luke Rativ. Yes. Yeah, that's his. That's uh, his, that's his middle name is Rack, Rativ. That's it. There we go. You beat me to the punchline. We do need to no, talk sorry. to him at some point for sure. We need to get him on here to deliver some of his own weird news. Let's get him to do uh, what this game means to me, yes. and he can just pick the weirdest thing. He can. Um, so Luke from Kotaku tells us. Nintendo fans trolled by not safe for work F0 Twitter account. Oh, God. Nintendo fans, being Nintendo fans, have been a bit nervy lately, some of them a little too eager to find out the latest news about the future of their favourite franchises. Last week, a pair of fresh Twitter accounts were spotted, one called at Super Mario 35th, it's Super Mario's 35th birthday this year, and the other at F0 JP named for one of Nintendo's most neglected series. Now, even though the person who found these said up front that they were likely fake, you can guess what happened next. Some Nintendo fans wanted to believe, regardless. The accounts were actually created back in March, and the Mario one has received the most attention. But once the F-Zero one had blown up in July, helped along by news that Captain Falcon's Japanese voice actor had made a return to the recording studio... It sprang into action, making its first and only tweet on July 21st. Was it the long-awaited announcement of a new F-Zero game? A Switch entry into the storied franchise that would continue the story of Captain Falcon and his friends? Of course not. It was this. And then in brackets it says, Slight NSFW warning. Okay. Uh, So I will now link you to this. Uh, in in Slack. Yeah. This is the tweet that was embedded. Oh, that's an ugly URL for you. Okay, I got it. I've opened it. Let me just see what you think. What is... Oh, my God. (laughs) What? So is this... Is this rotoscoped pornography? Yes, this is rotoscoped gay pornography. Not that that makes a difference, but, you know... Uh, Context is everything. Oh, my God. But it's just, uh, you know, it's something I don't see every day. Okay, uh, explain what rotoscoping is for people who may not who may not know. So rotoscoping is normally a really nice sort of art form. There's, there's a really good film called Waking Life, actually, that's rotoscoped, where basically they film something live action, and then every single frame gets sort of painted over or drawn over. So it looks like animated, hand-drawn stuff, but because they're using the reference point of like actual live action footage, the shading and the movement is like weirdly realistic. Like they can get really specific, you know, details in there that you wouldn't see in like a Disney animation or something because they, they've got the reference of real film. Um, so so that that was it, really. <laughs> it's uh, currently on 69,000 views. I would like to put oh, that nice. Out. Um, the moral of the story, Nintendo fans, or at least those who bought into this, stopped believing so hard. The moral for everybody else, they're not going to listen to me, it says. I'm looking at two replies. One of them is a very grainy meme of a donkey staring at the ocean that just says pain. Uh, okay. There's another one that says, imagine creating an account four months ago just to create a fake leak months later. That's some next level S word. Mm-hmm. So they said. So, so right. Let me get this straight. This account popped up F zero JP on Twitter. Watch at your at your uh, peril, by the way. Absolutely. There's peril. nothing. There's nothing not safe for work in it. 
you don't see any Wilsons. It's just uh, it's very suggestive. It, well, yeah, it's it's everything that you would expect from pornography except genitalia. I yes, would say absolutely, um, and it's also been sort of almost remixed to yeah. It's kind got of a tune. nice music. It's got some nice music in it, and it's you know animated to the beat. Uh, so yes, they then. Did they do any other tweets? Sorry, did they do tweets before this to sort of drum up hype? No, no, this is their only tweet. They made made an account called F0JP. Yeah. Some people started following. And then once there'd been a rumor, and I, I, did, I guess the person who made this account didn't even know this was going to happen. But once there was a rumor that the Captain Falcon Japanese voice actor had been in a recording studio, they put out one tweet from their F0 fake account. <sighs> Uh, that was rotoscoped, remixed gay pornography. Right. That's um, that's brilliant. Yeah, um, pretty weird. That's a fantastic troll. Uh, I, I, <laughs> poor Nintendo fans. First the, uh, first the clowns of Red Dead last week not getting listened mm. to, and this time they, they just hold on some hope that F-Zero, there might be a new F-Zero and they get that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, well, for the feel like the third week running we absolutely can't run with your with your weird news as a headline definitely not i've also got an ad uh, on that web page for um a female sex toy oh uh, i don't know if it's to do with the nature of um the article i know what it's to it's, do with yeah or if it's because of a conversation you and me had uh, recently which sounds weird but it was it was for content yeah it was for but, content uh, but uh, yeah some people will know what that is come next week yeah. oh poor choice of words uh, when mm, next absolutely. week arrives oh no hang on mm. uh oh. when we finish this week oh god um when the week reaches its climax yes uh, thank you there we go yeah. uh so <laughs> that's probably what it is you've messed up your recommend you've messed up your cookies my dude but i deleted my history after de- delete my cookies too i think oh, i'm gonna have to keep an eye out. i don't have anything yet i'm being advertised some tablet um so i'm oh well, I'm safe is it a blue that. tablet no no, it's uh, not. No, it's not. Right. It's not. Okay, my weird news. Uh, yeah, it's it, weird me. It's weird, but it's not. I mean, it's a step down after that, quite frankly. Uh, this <laughs> okay. is from Push Square. Mm-hmm. Actual Tsushima Tourism Board partners with Ghosts of Tsushima. What the hell? I, I don't, I'm that ignorant that I didn't necessarily realize it was a real place. Yeah. Tsushima yeah. is a real, real island. Despite all of the war and bloodshed, ghost... Oh, sorry, sorry, I should say this is from Robert Ramsey over at uh, Pushware. Despite all of the war and bloodshed, Ghost of Tsushima does an amazing job of showing off the natural beauty of Tsushima. The Japanese island is famously rural even today. So much of it is still coated in lush forests which sits alongside uninhabited hills and mountains. As such, it's a popular tourist destination, and its official website has actually partnered with Ghost of Tsushima to help sell the location. Nagasaki Prefecture, of which Tsushima is a part of, has a tourism page dedicated to the island, and right now it's packed with information about the PlayStation 4 exclusive. It highlights how the game ties into the real-world history of Tsushima, and how developer Sucker Punch went about recreating the sights and sounds of the island. The site makes for an interesting read, and it's all available in English. It says, Hmm. and if you go there, it literally just looks like the landing page for... The official website of Ghost of Tsushima. It's just all, it's just trailers. It's just, uh, there's like tiny little bits about history of the Mongol invasions of Japan and <laughs> the Mongol Empire invasions. And that's it. And the rest of it is the PS4 game is out now and it stars Jin Sakai. And here's some screenshots and here's a trailer. 
Oh, since when did Simon Miller work for the uh, Shima Tourist Board? Oh, he's a mercenary, Simon Miller. He pops up everywhere. He'll work <laughs> for you if you've got the money. He's very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's kind of surreal. Uh, you scroll it's down, weird. it's got real screenshots of the actual screenshots. Jesus, I need to go outside. It's got real photos of the <laughs> island itself. Oh, and, no. And, uh, yeah, that was, just, that was embarrassing. But uh, at the top, you know, there's a bit about food here. As expected from being known as a frontier island, Tsushima boasts an extremely unique culinary culture. There's all sorts of information. I think you mean real inventory items. Yes, sorry. Yes. Uh, this featured on your list of video game eateries you'd like to visit, right? I think this, uh, yeah. this one. Uh, but yeah, it, it's very surreal. Half the page is tourism. The top half is massive advert for a video game. <laughs> uh, which is really weird, but uh, somehow we'll turn that into a clickable headline and not F-Zero porn parody. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. There we go. There's some weird news for you. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's time for another question. Who's this from, Ben? This is from Stephen Goslinski. certainly is. Uh, Stephen says... Uh, what do you think makes a remake or remaster faithful to the original? Is being faithful the goal of a good remake anyway? Uh, I recently played through the Dark Souls remaster on the behest of one Miss B. Piss and uh, or Pies and uh, couldn't help thinking about how a few changes, uh, unidirectional rolling, a better grass JPEG outside of Crystal Cave, etc., could have made a world of difference. I know you both have favourite games that got big scale remakes in recent years and have mentioned things offhand, but I was wondering your specific thoughts about how much change is okay. Mm. Thank you, Stephen. Steph. Oh, did I say Stephen? You did. I'm looking at it, and Stephen. it does end with an A. Stephen. So. Sorry, so sorry. Yeah. I, I just read that super fast. That's my mistake. Uh, well, I then just followed suit, even though I read it perfectly well. Stefan, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm a sheep. Apologies. Yeah. Apologies. But uh, yes, to quickly clarify, a remake is something that's built from the ground up. Uh, mm. recreating a game. A remaster is the original game, usually ported or slightly enhanced with with very few additional changes. Uh, to to yeah. quickly acknowledge the Dark Souls remastered one, that one is, is kind of notorious for them just sort of re-releasing the game. Uh, it doesn't mm. run that much better. Uh, bugs and glitches in the original are still there, but then, you know, they're not game-breaking. Um, but, uh, yeah... That's they definitely could have they definitely could have changed some stuff. However, if they went too hard, I feel like on Dark Souls with changing the rolling and stuff, then people wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't truly be a remaster, if you know what I mean. You'd be you'd be straying more towards remake territory. Even yeah. even if it still looked the same. If you change something that fundamental, that's not usually within the remit of what a remaster would be. It's usually just a port. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, the first part of this question, what do you think makes a remake or remaster faithful to the original? I guess, like, the, the, the basic definition of, like, what makes it faithful would be to, almost in remaster style, whether or not it's a, actually a remake or not, uh, just kind of recreate the game as much as possible as we know it, you know, like the control scheme feeling the same in terms of muscle memory uh you know not not going too far away from uh things in terms of creative license and stuff um but i think the deeper question here or the the more important question is like how 
how much should a remake focus on remaining faithful versus trying to innovate to to a certain extent? And I think there's definitely something to be said uh, when doing a remake for uh, adding, you know, small quality of life touches for sure. But even, you know, going into a slightly bigger scale, like adding new content where relevant. I think if you go too mad... And it's so subjective, and it's. I think it would even vary game to game. But I think if you go too mad with like adding new stuff or changing things, people might feel a bit disappointed because part of your target audience when making a remake is the original uh, fan base who are just looking forward to playing something in a slightly new form. Uh, you know, HD, 4K, 60 FPS, maybe. Um, but you know, to take. I mean, Stefan mentions, you know, me and you have both had some favorite games of ours remade recently. And to take Spire of the Dragon, uh, in my case, one of the things I really liked about the Reignite trilogy was that they added um, detail to the world. Uh, they made every dragon unique because in the original game, when you free the dragons in Spire 1, uh, they are, there's like a limited number of models. There's still a fair few. Um, you know, they're not all the same look, looking dragons, but uh, there's definitely like a lot of retextured identical models. Um, but in Reunited Trilogy, they were all completely uh, different. They were all individual. They all had like a profession or their own costume. Um, but uh, on top of that, the worlds themselves had extra things added to them to give them sort of a purpose or a function within the context of the world. You know, they weren't just like, oh, and here's like a mountain level. It's like, no, this is a mountain level, but there's loads of windmills hanging off the mountain. So this is like, you know, maybe where the, the dragons generate some energy or something or make bread or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in that respect, it's nice for uh, a developer making a remake to uh, just just add extra flavor you know, I think it's important to try and stick with things as much as possible. Uh, stick with the original when it comes to controls. You know, muscle memory can really mess with the reception of a remake. You know, you look at like the Reignited trilogy. Uh, it's not the Reignited, the Insane trilogy mm. that had big problems. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily something that they should worry too much about in terms of remaining faithful in the very strict sense. I don't think. I don't think that uh, a developer who's working on a remake should actually be striving to recreate the game like for like. I think it's important in in modern times to uh, be updating a game and, and using the lessons we've learned, you know, um, updating camera controls and so on. Yes. So, yeah, I, I don't know what you think. No, I, I think I largely agree. Um Speaking, you know, about remasters, it it should ideally be the best version of the original game possible. So yeah. smoother frame rates, patched bugs, and so on. As I said, Dark Souls probably could have been a bit more refined in places, uh, but if you if you changed fundamental controls and and uh, you know, oh, I'm I'm trying to think of the term mechanics of the game mm. in terms of the rolling, for example it would sort of lose its identity as the original Dark Souls. You know, I think at some point we're almost certainly going to get a remake of Dark Souls. It's that important, but it's not going to be for a while. And at that point, they will probably look to, you know, make those quality of life changes. But in a in a remaster, that's usually not necessarily the stuff that gets changed around. Uh, however, yeah. when you look at Mafia 2, <laughs> which I've talked about on here before, yeah. there are bugs in that game that existed in the PS3 that are... 
game-breaking in the sense that a lot of people might just not be bothered to play it anymore after they have their progress reset, you know, or they can't mm-hmm. proceed past a point without start restarting a mission. That's unacceptable. That's not okay. You know, it's it's that shouldn't happen. As I said, it should be the best version of the original game. Um, as far as remakes go, as you correctly point out, Peter, it should be... It should make logical choices and changes to modernize and improve the original game beyond just making it look nicer. Mm. Um, Spyro yeah. and Crash, I think, are, are very good examples beyond, you know, the muscle memory is a very good point. Uh, a very good examples of what you can do with a remake, I would say. And I really don't want it to sound like I'm absolutely harping on about it, but I really think Destroy All Humans is, is an example of a not very good remake in that yeah. it's perfectly serviceable and the team that made it have remade destroy all humans but they've done nothing of significance to it it still feels like a ps2 game it has wild difficulty spikes it doesn't play very well the hud is kind of insane which is new compared to old screenshots they've changed up the hud but it just it serves only to sort of be quite overwhelming and take up a lot of screen real estate it's just you know they could have done a lot with that and they didn't and i don't know whether that's down to budget constraints or just that you know they didn't do it very well but mm. as such instead of improving the game it just feels like exactly the same game uh but remade you know they've just they've just yeah. made it identical which in by definition you would think well that's surely what a remake should be but as I said, Spyro and Crash are proof that if you want to remake a game, you can improve it as well at the same time. You can make changes that improve the game. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't, you know, you say about budget constraints as well, that, you know, it might have been easy for them to say, oh, well, we can't mess around with this game too much. We don't have the budget. We don't want to spend time uh, brainstorming ideas. And uh, even if we had ideas, we can't go adding new levels and so on. But sometimes it can be something that probably isn't too budget heavy doesn't doesn't eat up too much of the budget but can have quite a big effect so i i just realized then when you when you mentioned crash again that uh you know that allowed you to play as coco for the entire trilogy um and all that really all they really had to do there was make a well they already had a model because you had to play as her anyway in crash 3 occasionally so the model was there they just had to make that model usable in every other level uh pretty much and uh, just add a few new like death animations for for enemies that she wouldn't ordinarily have encountered. But you know that's that's probably, and I'm no ex- expert on what like the resource distribution is in game development. But I'd like to think that probably didn't take too much. In fact, I'm sure I heard. I think a guy did that just for fun. I think one of the developers over a weekend animated Coco. Uh, and then just showed it to like the the bigwigs and said, "Hey, um, I've added death animations for Coco for every every level, so she'd be playable now and everything if you like." Mm-hmm. And they said, "Oh, that's great." You know, so I think Absolutely. sometimes you can do you can you can add a lot to a game yeah. by actually just making one or two relatively small changes that have a a, a big ripple effect. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I suppose that's yeah. the main problem with Destroy All Humans is that. It's a perfectly serviceable remake. If they remade a game that was, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to upset fans of the original, but if they remade a game that was really, really good when it first came out, perhaps it wouldn't be such, so it's such an issue. But the fact that mm. the original game wasn't incredible, 
might explain why a remake that's shot for shot identical also doesn't feel that great in 2020. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, uh, you know, it did go, as you say, it went down well originally. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, if you just then bring that up to, up to, in, into, you know, onto a modern platform. Yes. Sometimes you have to just think, how do I, you know, things have changed. Things have changed. And this game isn't going to be, as well received in its original form, maybe I have to do a little bit to make it, mm-hmm. you know, more well received. Yeah, but. definitely. But there we go. It's time to move on, Peter. It to something is. huge. Yeah, something enormous. It's time. Oh, <coughs> it happened! It happened! I'm alive. This just in. Ben sneezed. Ah, still alive. You. Thank you. Sorry, everyone. It's time for the big discussion. It is. It's big discussion time, time for a big discussion, and we are going to be talking all about Ubisoft and what they have done. Oh Um, dear. Now obviously, you know, we don't wake up in the morning and think, God, I can't wait to talk all about sexual impropriety and uh, and inappropriateness at Ubisoft. Love Mm. that stuff. And by virtue of not talking about it so far, I don't want people to think we don't care. So similar to how we, you know, address the situation when uh, George Floyd was murdered and uh, and the the BLM protests really started to to kick into high gear. And we felt that it was absolutely necessary to address that and talk about it. And as we said at that time, it's not a fun conversation to have. You know, nobody enjoys talking about this stuff, but it's important. So we are going to talk about it today. Mm -hmm. And we've got a couple of questions here because they both touch on the subject. The first is from Ern Arrowsmith actual Lord of the Rings character. Yeah. Amongst the recent Ubisoft controversies, it has come to light that some games were originally intended to have female lead characters, but due to some misogynistic execs and a toxic culture, the role of female characters was scaled back significantly. Or, uh, yeah, or players could choose between a male and a female lead with the writing and character development apparently suffering as a result. Do you think Mm. it's a good idea to have interchangeable characters, not necessarily genders, just a choice of characters with or without mechanical differences? Or do you prefer to have a single character which the game has been crafted around? Should we tackle that first? Yeah, let's. Um, So that's awful, obviously. Yeah, of course. It's what a dreadful thing to say in fact me and i think me and you were talking about this the other day sort of off camera mm. uh maybe we were on i can't remember when i think we were talking was, to but... james weren't we yes that's right and and you said something like oh that bodes well for uh for beyond good and evil too mm-hmm. uh you know in terms of female protagonists and actually i think i think that did happen i think um ubisoft were very unsure initially about the original game being made um because they said women don't sell yeah. Um, Lara Croft, hello. Exactly. Maybe that, that that game even cemented that belief in their mind because it didn't do very well and it had a female lead. Uh, but I'd like to think that it was definitely not the female lead that, that caused the uh, the poor reception. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't market, market the game very well. Uh, there was It was very niche. There were all kinds of issues with it. Um, uh, but you do wonder whether because that game and maybe some others too didn't do so well, they were like, yeah, see, we were right. We should never have uh, made that that lady game. Oh, uh, terrible. I know. Imagine, imagine seeing the data and extrapolating that from it, though. Mm. You know, that's what you took away from it. Similarly, Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation, and we also talked about this, the, the Vita game yes. had a female protagonist, the first Assassin's Creed game with a female protagonist. And I imagine that probably didn't sell very well either, but it was on the Vita and it wasn't great. 
So, and that, neither of those things had anything to do with the fact that you were playing as a woman. Uh, but it's kind of shocking to think that executives might see that and take that at face value and think, well, it's because of the woman, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, even Assassin's Creed Syndicate, the one where you could play as the two uh, the two fries, um, mm-hmm. uh, a man and a woman, I don't think that was particularly well received. Uh, but again, not because... In fact, I think that's more to the point. It's not because there was a woman in it. I think it's because they compromised and said, all right, well, we'll have a male and a female. You get to play as both because... Heck, if I'm letting it just be a woman in that game. Yes. Um, and as a result, so in answer to, to Ern's uh, question, I don't like interchangeable characters uh, that much in video games. Uh, I think uh, that the game, the, the character development and the narrative can suffer as a result. Of course, what I'm not saying is I don't want to have to play as a woman or I don't want... <laughs> Uh, my man to occasionally be swapped out for a lady. What I'm saying is, I would have been much happier if that game had just been about uh, a female lead, you know? Yes. Uh, or a male. I don't mind, but, uh, you know, I think having swapped characters uh, is. I, I, that game in particular, I enjoyed the setting very much, but I didn't like the fact that you had to invest points and. Uh, stock up the inventory of two different characters you know it didn't carry the development and the inventory between the two which would have been much more enjoyable you had to sort of keep thinking oh well i better save some of that some of that xp for the other person or oh do they what what have i got what what am i carrying around now and yeah that really bothered me and i think it really let the game down and if they just bitten the bullet from their perspective and gone oh well let's just try this female character um solo then you know maybe they would have been pleasantly surprised i would have liked to think yeah um uh 2014 kotaku ubisoft in trouble over comments about female characters i remember this happening uh shortly after ubisoft upset many assassin's creed fans by saying that it had abandoned its plans to have female characters in its new games co-op multiplayer mode i think this was going to be unity at the time Uh, The company returned with another controversial explanation about the absence of women in its games. This one focused on Far Cry 4. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but basically they they said uh, female characters take too long to animate and we don't have the time, which is obviously nonsense. And this was six years ago. So this is a, you know, this there there are breadcrumbs showing that this has uh, this has been their thinking for a while. Um, Talking about a Far Cry game as well. Oh, it takes too long to animate a woman. I know. What? What do you? Uh, even if they were talking about other people in the world, like allies or whatever, like you, this is a Far Cry game where you make a giant open world and fill it with bollocks. Like, <laughs> yes. surely just spend a little less time on your map markers and your and your bonus stuff, and just animate the flipping woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, in terms of my response to Ern's question, mm. um, bu- 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 let's see. I made some notes here. I I. Personally, I truly believe that the the storyteller should decide the identity and whatever form that may take of of mm. their characters. If their vision is for like a male protagonist or female or transgender or non binary, then then great, that's fine. But it should never be dictated to them one way or the other, especially for like you know obviously nefarious sexist reasons. Mm. Uh, that being said, having the choice is great, but it's not always going to work. Some games just can't function that you know like that. Letting you choose between, uh, for example, playing as Nate or Elena in Uncharted Five would, because of the nature of how Uncharted plays, would probably add years 
onto development. And I'm not just saying the the Ubisoft excuse, it takes ages to animate women. I just mean if they wanted an entirely separate character for an Uncharted game for you to play through in an entirely separate narrative, the narrative, mm. as you said, would suffer slightly because it yeah. should focus on one character and be what the storyteller is, is you know, it, the story that they want to tell. And mm. while it's lovely to see Ubisoft open world games, um, I think the new Far Cry is confirmed to be the same as the new Assassin's Creed, that you can choose be- between a female and a male character. That's great, but they've designed their game with that purpose behind it. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it does remove some some stories that perhaps you you would be able to tell if you if you had one character that was the sole decision of whoever's writing the game. Um, so... Again, to summarize, the reasons that Ubisoft have given in the past for not doing this, horrible. But just giving another, just giving you the choice between the two doesn't necessarily mean that the game is going to come out better. No. I think there's yeah. got to be a logical decision. You know, it's got, the story's got to revolve around what the person who's writing the story wants it to, or who they want it to revolve around. Yeah, I've, I've put here as well, there should absolutely be the choice in, you know, games where it's it's focused around true character creation you know like a proper rpg you know your your bethesda rpgs for example um that's that's where you are writing your own story you know you're you're being who you want to be so there should be complete freedom there uh but yeah i agree you know in something like the witcher 3 for example you know you it what you need in a game like that is a focus on a specific character and their relationships with other people. And, uh, you know, even taking it, obviously looking aside from the fact that there were two games before the Witcher three, where you had the same character, you know, even if the, the Witcher three had been the debut for the series, you, uh, it, it, it's, it's good to have that focus and you're right. It should just be down to the writers, the storytellers, um, to choose who they want to do a story about irrespective of their gender or their background. Um, so yeah it's frustrating to hear that these ideas were had mm-hmm. uh, and execs said no we're not doing that because uh because of these fake reasons yeah um yeah yeah definitely but that's not the only question we have no it's it's not this is a big discussion after all um so francesca writes You mentioned in the previous podcast your thoughts on leaks and how it can add or take away from the excitement of an upcoming game. But an aspect you didn't cover was when leaks are skillfully dropped by publishers to distract from um, unsavoury ethics violations. Ubisoft has had some allegations arise yet again in which which could be said are... In which, I think, which could be said are being attempted to... uh, Hello? This sentence is a bit strange. Uh, they're they're being buried yet again, uh, these allegations, with the news and teasers of upcoming games. Uh, Activision Blizzard with the Hong Kong slash Blitzchung silencing following uh, a reveal from Diablo 4. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? And why do some people have such short memories? Unfortunately, this is uh, it's, it's the programmers and developers that suffer, but I'm inclined to stop purchasing from these companies as a result. Oh, I got through there just about. Yes. Uh, very quickly, to be totally fair to Ubisoft in this particular instance, they do seem to be making some really big, decisive changes. Um, mm. And I don't know if that's because 
everyone was aware and was just sort of quietly trying to sweep it under the rug and now it's all out there and everyone knows so they're being forced to do it or if they're yeah. genuinely horrified and they weren't aware there's there's no way to know either way uh but they they are they are making big changes they are removing people who are responsible and people are being placed on leave i have a little quote here from gamesindustry.biz uh pr director stone chin which is an incredible name for clearly not an incredible person, is one of the several high-profile Ubisoft employees to be fired or placed on leave due to their role in what multiple employees have described as a culture of harassment and abuse that includes Tommy Francois and Maxime Bellon, both of whom were vice presidents in its editorial division. Chief Executive Officer Serge Hasque, would you say? Mm. That's a, yeah, Hasque, I would guess. Head of Canadian Studios Yanis Malat and Global Head of HR... Cecile Cornet, Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemot, has pledged to implement profound changes at the company, admitting that it has fallen short in its obligation to guarantee a safe and inclusive workplace environment for its employees. So I'm confident that Ubisoft are doing what they can to uh, to, to rectify the situation. And before their Ubisoft Forward event the other week, they did, they did publicly state... We're just going to be talking about the games today. We're not going to be talking about this other stuff. So it's not like they weren't ignoring the situation. They were just saying, we're going to talk about games today. Um, mm. They publicly acknowledged that it's all going on. They're making changes. It, these things absolutely should not have happened in the first place, but they are seemingly trying to make things better. Not necessarily yeah, Activision, though. No, well, but you're right to also point out, is it because they've been caught? And as you say, maybe they, maybe they kind of knew that this was already happening. Mm-hmm um but it's uh, possible. yeah yeah it's we won't we can't really know that i don't think unless you know there are sort of whistleblowers and things that are leaking things that we're unaware of at the moment but uh yes uh activision blizzard though i mean not one of our favorite companies anyway uh no. but uh yeah it's it's difficult to know um to to me i struggle to even understand the tactic of trying to divert attention away from controversy by doing big leak at what big reveals and stuff because to me i just think okay uh such and such a game has been announced that's i mean maybe that's a good thing maybe it's a game i'm excited for or maybe not but i will i will still remember the problems that these companies have been called out mm-hmm. for after the hype for such and such a release uh, reveal, sorry, has 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 faded. Um, I mean, I guess Francesca's right to say, how come some people have such short memories? Because it does seem, on the other hand, that other other people uh, who are into their video games are quite easily distracted by these things. And then, yeah, it's there's a phrase for it as well, isn't there? There's like a, um, it's used in politics. It's something about a cat where they try and uh, reveal a, a, a big front page story to divert attention away from a big mistake right. that they've made. Yeah. I'll have to look that, that phrase up now. But uh, yeah, to me, I don't get it as a tactic because personally... I'll I'll just remember both things, not just the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if anything, it'll tarnish. Um, it it will make me less excited for a new game that's coming out from an unethical company because I'll be like, oh well, they just announced this game, but it's from them, so maybe I'm not so keen anymore. Right. Uh, I don't know about you. Yeah. No, I agree. I think the problem is that, as we've discussed before, we're we're in our plugged in bubble. You know, we 
in the in the grand scheme of who is playing and consuming video games, we are we are in a very very small group of people, respectively, mm. uh, who actually pay attention to this stuff. You know, average average Joe playing Call of Duty and that's kind of it, or getting the new Assassin's Creed or Far Cry game once every couple of years. They may they may not know that this stuff is even happening. They might genuinely not know. Like that, it's just the fact that we are we follow the industry and we know what's going on, and we are such a small collective compared to the vast majority of people, as I said, who play games. Um, so that might yeah. be why it feels that there's never any meaningful change in terms of voting with your wallet, because most people just don't know. And no. it might be that some people don't care, which is horrible, but people are bad, you know? We wouldn't be talking about bad things people are doing if they hadn't, you know, if people weren't bad in the first place. But people can also be good. So if you do feel really strongly about it, if something is wrong and you don't like it, Francesca's right. You should vote with your wallet and mm. you should work to educate and inform people who don't know. And we have a platform here where we can talk about this stuff and hopefully inform some of you guys as well and then you can pass on that information too or maybe some of you there's a good chance that some of you didn't know any of this stuff even broker was happening and we've now told you and doesn't mean you don't have to ever buy a far cry game again for example but we have done our little bit to to help spread the word that this stuff is going on and yeah ubisoft appear to be making changes activision in the wake of the blitz chung stuff they they sort of quietly reduced his punishment but they didn't get rid of it no and it was like a six month ban or something nothing rather than a permanent one nothing's really come from that nothing has nothing no. has really come from all that controversy you're right francesca about how as soon as diablo 4 was announced a lot of the hardcore activision blizzard fans did seem to suddenly just sort of go quiet and forget about it i don't know why that is I'm not a part of that community. I don't really care for those games. I'm appalled, obviously, by all the stuff mm. with Blitzchung and how Activision Blizzard reacted. Um, but I think the end the end result is we are a very small minority in a big gaming ecosystem and we just happen to be the ones who are paying attention. And if you care, don't forget and vote with your wallet and talk to people and, and inform others. Yeah, and don't fall victim to... The dead cat strategy, Ooh. or dead catting, okay. uh, which refers to the introduction of a dramatic or shocking or sensationalist topic to divert discourse away from a more damaging topic. Wow. Uh, comes from the metaphor, apparently, of throwing a dead cat on the dining room table while people are talking about something you don't want them to talk about. Right. And everyone will be so outraged by the dead cat on the table yeah. That they'll stop they talking about that how you banned a man for talking about uh, freedom Hong for Hong Kong. Kong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very real strategy. It does happen, and uh, yeah, I have to. I mean, again, I don't want to. I don't. I never really want to give corporations or companies the benefit of the doubt because they're not people. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it does seem at least that Ubisoft is sort of, for whatever reason, whether or not their hand is being forced because everyone's looking at them, or whether they genuinely want to make changes, they are making changes, which is good. Um, mm. Activision, though, pff, screw them; they don't seem to really yeah. care either way. They've got your money. Pete, you, you'll buy the new Di- Diablo, won't you? Go on, then, idiot. Anyway, oh, yeah. we're going to ban more Love people it. for speaking out against China, though. So there we go. Mm. Um, but yeah, just just stay informed. Stay plugged in and and try to talk to other people about. It. Try and engage with people about it. Don't 
don't argue with people or yell at people because that doesn't get anyone anywhere because people will be looking for a fight always about everything and it's hard sometimes but uh, we'll continue to talk about that kind of stuff here as and yeah. when it, it comes up yeah try and do at least a little bit more signal boosting i guess yeah so there we go what little we can do it's another yeah. another really fun topic to talk about because the world isn't <laughs> rubbish enough uh yeah can everyone just stop being an a-hole and then we'll be able to talk about nice things on this podcast yeah can we talk about the next week's big discussion where the country of the united kingdom is giving everyone a ps5 a nintendo switch and an xbox series x by way of an yeah. apology for brexit can we do that oh that would be, that'd nice. be an exciting yeah. one wouldn't it anyway it let us know in the comments and on social media what you thought about what we discussed today and you can also find us in various other places isn't that right peter Yes, we're doing content over on youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump where we do videos and stream too. When we're streaming, we're modded by Lord Brotovich and Cecil Prumps. Uh, our social media, twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. You can contact us there. Uh, Luke Eldon looks after Facebook for us and continues to do a billboard job. If if that's a that's not a, I don't know patreon.com forward slash team triple jump is where our Patreon is all kinds of rewards you can ask questions on the podcast worst games ever two days early and more uh, we've got a Discord bit.ly forward slash team triple jump that's modded by Jack and Joe who also do a great job. The podcast, if you are watching on YouTube, is available in audio form at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump. Uh, there's the website, tripleger.mup, where we have a careers tab, which at the moment doesn't have anything on it, but keep an eye out. Uh, and finally, all the live stream bods are available on YouTube. And the handiest way to get there is to go to tripleger.mup forward slash vods. Wonderful. You can follow Peter on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday on YouTube being the joint stream Blaze It and Friday. Blaze it. And we do Worst Games fortnightly. Friday for patrons, Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday and we do shows one every other week. We'll have a new What X Means to Me very soon. Or what X game, I should say, means to me. Please leave us a review on iTunes or your platform of choice. It helps something to do with algorithms. And this week, there's a new Worst Games. It's a Worst Games Ever week. So if you're a $5 patron, you should get a link on Friday evening so you can watch it early. And everybody else, it'll be available on Sunday. Uh, our new streaming schedule we've been talking about is finally kicked in. So Peter is now streaming on Mondays. I'm now streaming on Fridays. And we're both still streaming together on YouTube on Thursdays, the other two days being on Twitch. Those days may change around, not the joint stream, Blaze It, but the solo streams, depending on availability and stuff, but it will now be a three-stream schedule. That is what we have reverted yep. to. Peter, talk to me about Uplink. It's coming up. Link. It's coming up, Link. Uh, it's going to be in early August, on the 8th uh, and 9th two weeks. of August. Two weeks' time. Uh, it's an, it's an all-digital uh, event retro expo where there's all kinds of YouTubers doing guest spots, but we are going to be there doing a live Worst Games Ever. So you'll be able to just watch that uh, live, watch us play in a terrible game, as we do. Um, and if you want more information, ticketing info, and so on, you can do so, you can get that by going to uplink.com. 
liretro.com. That's uplink.liretro.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Peter. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have a, a more specific... We'll, we'll be able to tell you when and where we're going to be streaming from yes. in due course. At the moment, we've just got the dates for the event. But uh, yeah, we are stay currently tuned. working it out. It looks likely to be the Saturday, but we'll let you know. Yeah. Just time to talk about our sponsor one last time. Hey, have you been looking for a tasteful dance troupe owned by a lady called Sue and uh, staffed entirely by goats? That is, you know what? I I keep getting ads for that whenever I go on Kotaku because I keep Googling it. Well, your dreams have been answered. Introducing Goat of Sue's Shimmy, available now in all good uh, phone books from the 90s. Right. Yes. Good. Yes. I actually got a phone um, book posted through my letterbox this week. A phone An book? An actual phone book. It's not very thick. It's maybe <laughs> maybe three quarters of an inch thick. Everyone's ex-directory now. Yeah, I don't like it. Why have, why have they posted that? I, I couldn't help but... I get a lot of spam mail anyway, a lot of junk. I think a lot of people do. But mm. I couldn't help but think when I saw it. And you can tell I'm getting old. Like, what a waste of paper. Yeah. I'm going to recycle it, don't get me wrong, but what the hell? Why would you waste so that it's not, time? It's not very thick anymore. It's not like the yellow pages. It's not like the yellow pages, no. Have you seen that thing where if you take two yellow pages books and put, you have them facing each other and then you put one page down of yeah. one and then the other page down over the other, so you interleaf it all the way up. Uh, and then if you like attach ropes to both the yellow pages, you cannot pull them apart because of the friction. I watched that on Mythbusters. Oh yeah, did they did they confirm it? I, I saw they, it on QI. I think they did it. Yeah, they had like two tractors or something pulling apart, and it just wouldn't. Maybe God, I'm not sure. Tractors. I might be. I might be exaggerating. I can't. Oh, Grant Imahara died the other week. That was very sad. Oh, what? Yeah, really? Did you not see? Oh, sorry, everyone. We're just we're just extending the podcast casually. Yeah. But yeah, he died. He died of a oh. brain aneurysm. Forty nine or something like that. No way. Yeah, it sucks, oh, doesn't that's, it? That's horrible. It's really sad. Yeah. So thoughts are with his, his friends and family, obviously. Mythbusters was yeah. amazing. I do miss that. Um, if you it want was. some chill stuff to watch, by the way, on YouTube, uh, Adam Savage's one-day builds are always really good. He just makes sort of oh, like yeah. clock replicas and stuff. It's great. Love it. Yeah, um, super relaxed. Anyway, that's that. Uh, Bit of bonus content there at the end. Of Su's, goats of Sue's Shimmy. No, goat, singular. Goat of Sue's Shimmy. There we go. There's just one. Anyway, mm. we're going to go now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll see you very soon. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.